0: Uh, This morning, we will read a brief story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. This story that we're going to read is also found in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. And that tells us that this is a very important example from the life of Jesus probably because it allows us to see the heart of God for even the most marginalized people in society. So we're going to begin reading chapter 5, verse 12. This is God's Word. It says, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will... But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. All right, that's the end of our text. And there's actually, there you go, next slide. Let's keep that one up there just so you can have the whole story in front of you. Verse 16 is not the main point of the story, But Luke includes that little detail so that we might better understand Jesus. Jesus needed to be alone with His Father. And what we see in the Gospels over and over again is that behind the public ministry of Jesus, there was always this prayerful dependence on the Father. And so Luke really wants us to know that Jesus did none of this for attention. And I want you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we study the gospel of Luke. He did not do any of this for attention. Now let's talk about the leper. A leper, uh, as you may know, was a person with a very serious, very contagious skin disease. People avoided lepers, and they were supposed to avoid other people. That was what was expected of them. And so because of that, they usually were forced to live in leper communities with each other because no one really wanted them around. And so it was an act of faith for this man to come up to Jesus and kneel before Him, especially with the great crowds of people who were following Jesus. And when this happened, the crowds probably gasped and and scattered back, recoiled at the sight of this man. Most rabbis would have commanded the leper to leave immediately. But Jesus does not tell the man to leave. Instead, the man falls on his face and asks Jesus to heal him. And Jesus breaks all social conventions by reaching out and touching this man. And immediately, when Jesus speaks those words, the man is clean. He is healed. Now, that's the story. It's a simple story. But I want you to imagine being this person. If you can imagine this with me, okay? No one wants you around. It's not that they just don't notice you or you're just not important enough for people to care. They literally don't want you around. In their presence, people walk a little further away from you than normal. They glance at you when you aren't looking, and then when you do look, they look away so as not to make eye contact. You have probably not felt human touch in a long time. No hugs, no kisses, no handshakes, no pats on the back. Just a lonely, painful existence with no hope that it would get better because there was no cure for this disease. But you've heard of this rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. And you've heard that this man has the power to heal people. And you hear that he's coming to town. And so you take a chance and you put yourself in his path knowing it's possible that you will be rejected again. But then Jesus reaches out and touches you. Probably the first human touch this man has felt in some time. Now, can you imagine what that must have felt like? And then, in the next instant, to be healed. More than that, you are now socially acceptable again. The priests will accept you back into worship. People will no longer avoid you. Your family will receive you. Home, you can be human again. And Luke wants us to understand, this is what Jesus can do. Yes, He can heal people. We've already seen Him do that. But Jesus can do more than that. He can heal us, not just of our sickness. But of literally everything that's wrong about us, about our lives. He can give us our humanity back. He can make us acceptable and loved. And Luke wants us to understand once again that Jesus did not do this in order to be seen, He did it because He wanted to and because He could. The Bible word for what Jesus demonstrates here is the word compassion. But it's important to see that compassion is more than just removing the condition. Okay, Jesus removes the condition, but He also removes the shame underneath the condition. Do you know what shame is? Shame is that deep feeling of inferiority. The feeling that, that you don't belong, that something is wrong with you. And this is the kind of world that we live in. It's a, it's a world where people take pride in making others feel rejected for things that they have no power to change. We have a long, violent history in this world of marginalizing people when we should have compassion. And Jesus teaches us something about compassion. He removes the condition, but He also removes the shame. He tells this man to go to the temple and present himself as ceremonially clean, which was necessary for this man to be Restored to community. Now, if you stop and you think about people in our communities who are struggling the most, it's usually the people who have some sort of physical illness or disability, mental illness, financial difficulties, right? And underneath those obvious needs, we understand that there are usually deeper issues, right? Broken relationships, past abuse or trauma. And sometimes it may be the consequences of bad decisions. That's absolutely, sometimes that's part of it, right? But very often, they're also dealing with a deep sense of shame And it may be for something that they literally did not do or could not help. It could be something about them that they cannot change. And it brings this thought, not only that something is wrong with my circumstances, but that something is wrong with me. I'm the problem. I deserve this. And the world excels at reinforcing that shame. It kicks us when we're down. But, we need to be careful We need to be careful when we consider the solution to this problem. You see, the Bible doesn't solve the problem of shame by telling us that there is no problem. The Bible doesn't solve the problem of shame by telling us that there's actually nothing wrong with us and that we should just cheer up and act like nothing is wrong with us. That's not the Bible's solution. Solution. Instead, the Bible presses into the reality that something is actually very wrong about our world and something is actually very wrong with us. Jesus heals this man and then he encourages him to take the necessary steps to resolve the broken relationships. to resolve his status as someone who was unclean. Jesus never disputes that. He simply fixes the problem. You see, Jesus knows that this man's identity is tied to his community. And this is something that modern Westerners are forgetting. Identity is not this individual thing that we conjure up from inside. It is first, whatever God says is true of us. And second, it is also, it matters where we fit into community and relationships because that's how he created us. This man needed more than just physical healing to get his identity set right. He needed people back in his life. He needed fellowship to be restored. You see, the kingdom of Jesus is not just about making us temporarily happy. It's not just about fixing those surface problems or the physical problems that we usually try to focus on. More important to God is our heart and our relationships and our future. And all of that is tied together. You see Jesus is not interested in temporary relief. He's interested in permanently restoring our broken world, and it's not just about individuals. Jesus intends to restore entire communities. I want you to notice that that Jesus wants this man to get back into community with the same people who are actively rejecting him. This is why Paul calls the gospel a ministry of reconciliation. God with people first, but also people with people. I think it's important for us to consider exactly how Jesus does this. Notice that Jesus reaches out and he touches an unclean man. Jesus chose to dirty himself with this man's condition, and he does it while people are watching, right? And we already know from Luke that Jesus did not need to touch this man to heal him, did he? Jesus has already healed people with just his words. So why does Jesus touch the leper? I think it was more than just a simple act of compassion. It was certainly, it was certainly that. I think it actually represents the entire mission of Jesus. It shows us how God intended to solve the problem of shame, how he, how he actually does that. And this is important because popular culture gives a different answer. And it's subtle, but I need you to see that this is a little bit different than what the world will tell you. Okay. We are told to recognize shame, to talk about it, and to be more vulnerable in our relationships. And listen, all of that is actually really good advice. And if you've never thought through that or dealt with that, or especially if you've had something really, really tragic happen in your past, you absolutely should do those things. Those are all helpful things. But it absolutely does not solve the core issue. It helps us to cope with shame in healthier ways, but it does not erase the shame. Every single human being on the planet feels shame because of sin. Every single person. And it becomes amplified when we feel alone or marginalized. That will amplify that feeling of shame. It will make it feel more acute. It will, it will, it will push you further into the problem, right? But, but shame is a universal problem. Honesty and vulnerability and community, the reason those things help with the feelings of shame is because they bring us closer to how God designed us to behave. But they don't really solve the problem. The gospel of Jesus Christ informs us that only God can permanently heal the problem. He's the only one that can actually fix the problem, not just help you cope with it. And this is important. He can actually erase it. And the way God does it is by reaching down into the world, embracing us in our sinful condition, and then nailing our shame to the cross. Jesus heals people, but it's not just about sickness. He also intends to heal the shame underneath the sickness, both physical and spiritual. He gives us the freedom to begin to live a life of acceptance and love because He gives us these things even though we don't deserve it. He tells us, you are washed, you are righteous, you are welcome, you are clean. He makes us family, even when we don't deserve those things. And this is how He undoes it. It's by His grace. And I wonder this morning if you believe that Jesus is the answer to whatever sadness of heart you're feeling. Do you believe that He is willing to accept you even when others are not? That He sees you. That He will take you in. Whether it's something that you can't help about yourself or whether it is something you've done to yourself. In both cases. See, faith in Jesus Faith in Jesus is not a self-righteous act. Faith in Jesus is an act of desperation. It is knowing that you have nowhere else to go but believing that Jesus actually has the power to make you whole again. And some of you this morning, you feel like this leper, and you need to hear that Jesus can heal you. He can restore you. He can give you back your humanity. He can make you a part of a community. And that's what some of us need to hear. But there's also a message here to the disciples of Jesus. Okay, so if you're one who has claimed the promises of Christ and you know yourself to be a part of his family, you believe you're forgiven. You believe that you have His grace and maybe you believe that for some time. There's a message for you too. And the message is is that we as the church need to be the kind of community that welcomes people who are recovering from their shame. We don't need to be like the crowds who backed away when they saw the leper. We need the eyes of Jesus to look at people with compassion and embrace them as He did. And we're only going to do that if we know ourselves to be spiritually lepers as well. That God has been gracious to us. And so as Christians, I'm asking you, are you living a cleansed and grateful life, understanding that it is only by God's grace that that is true? Do you believe that Jesus actually has the power to fix us? Do you even think that you need to be fixed? You see, very often in the church, our problem is is that we don't even know that we need to be fixed. We don't see it. It's those people out there who need it. And that's why we can't be that kind of community to receive them because we're missing the point. If you ignore the hurting people in this world, and you ignore the hurt that you have caused to other people, then you won't think you need Jesus. You're just going to be better than all the dirty people out there who are beneath you. Even though you may not say it like that, that's what's going on in your heart. If you believe that you're already clean by your own efforts then what Jesus has accomplished will never really mean that much to you. But brothers and sisters, that is not how followers of Jesus engage the world. We've been studying early church history on Wednesday nights. And we've talked about how the early church grew rapidly because it was so radically different than any other religion that the world had experienced by the grace of God, the followers of Jesus were different. They were different people. Christians had a strong reputation for serving the poor and not just their own poor, but everybody's poor. When plagues and diseases spread in ancient cities, the Christians were the ones who stayed When everyone else left and risked their lives to care for the sick and bury the dead. I want you to listen to how one historian describes the early church. And I read this a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday. It says this, All in all, no more attractive religion has ever been presented to mankind. It offered itself without restriction to all individuals, classes, and nations. It was not limited to one people like Judaism, nor to the free men of one state like the official cults of Greece and Rome. By making all men heirs of Christ's victory over death, Christianity announced the basic equality of men and made trivial all differences of earthly degree. To the miserable, maimed, bereaved, disheartened, and humiliated, it brought the new virtue of compassion... It gave them the inspiring figure, story, and ethic of Christ. It brightened their lives with the hope of a coming kingdom of endless happiness beyond the grave. To even the greatest sinners, it promised forgiveness and their full acceptance into the community of the saved. To minds harassed with the insoluble problems of origin and destiny, evil and suffering, It brought a system of divinely revealed doctrine in which the simplest soul could find mental rest into the moral vacuum of a dying paganism, into the coldness of Stoicism and the corruption of Epicureanism, into a world sick of brutality, cruelty, oppression, and sexual chaos, into a pacified empire that seemed no longer to need the virtues or the gods of war, it brought a new mortality or morality of brotherhood, kindliness, decency, and peace. This is the beautiful community. This is the church that God intends to build, that He is building. It's the community of Jesus. And when someone is healed by Jesus, when Jesus erases the shame of a person by his message, his gospel. He leads them into this community so that they never again will be alone with their shame. They won't be alone at all. And this is who we're supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to be known. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. And so may God give us the grace to be a community of compassion, a place where lives are restored and shame is erased. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you that you were willing to come to earth and embrace us in our sin, in our guilt, in our shame. And that by Your Word, those wounds are healed. Father, I pray that we would look to You, that we would trust You, that we would allow ourselves to be defined by Your understanding of us, and that we would Stop trying to define ourselves by what we think is best and by the circumstances in which we find ourselves and the things that have happened in our past, but instead we would trust that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are accepted, we are clean by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.